We'd like to welcome you to another edition of The Jazz Show on CITR. My name's Gavin Walker, and we're here from now until, uh, well, sometimes uh, after midnight with some of the very finest in jazz music. And those of you that are regular listeners to our show know about this. And also know that our jazz feature is um, kicks off every program. We have lots to play for you this evening. There were lots of birthdays in the last uh, little while. Um, Lester Young, the president, on August 27th. And then Charlie Parker's birthday was August 29th. And our jazz feature artist's birthday was yesterday. And that's Kenny Dorham, the great uh, trumpeter. And, well, <laughs> so we're going to be celebrating those, those birthdays. But, of course, our jazz feature um, is Kenny Dorham, and uh, we'll get to that in just a moment. But there's going to be lots of music on the program. It's a rainy night. hope you can uh, sit by your uh, radio and, uh, and check us out and sit back and enjoy the music you're going to hear this evening that I always uh, enjoy presenting to you. So, well, we have survived the big windstorm. Apparently, this is the most severe storm we've had in the last 10 years, and it, it suddenly came up. There was all the predictions about rain, but we got the wind, and of course, that uh, we live in a rainforest. We live where lots of trees are, that sort of thing, and, and uh, that's what causes all the power outages because branches fall down, trees uh, you know, crack or fall over and all this sort of stuff. And the next thing you know, you've got power out everywhere. And there's still people out there with, uh, with no power. But uh, they're working very hard to get it back. It's a big job, and uh, we've got to hand it to those people that are, uh, that are working to restore that. And, of course, there's always lessons to be learned from any kind of emergency situation. There are things that didn't happen, that should have happened, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, we're always in a learning process, and that's, that's the beautiful thing about life. We learn every day something new. All right, without uh, <laughs> no more of uh, Gavin Walker's philosophy, we're going to hear music by one of the finest jazz trumpeters that ever lived. He celebrated his birthday yesterday, August 30th, and unfortunately, died quite young. He was only 48. He died of uh, kidney failure, December 5th, 1972. And I'm talking about McKinley Howard Dorham, who was born in Fairfield, Texas. And, of course, he got a nickname, Kenny. And Kenny Dorham was a multi-talented man. Uh, he could play the piano extremely well. He sang. He was an excellent singer and, and played the tenor saxophone as well. He never recorded on the tenor saxophone, but I heard that he could really handle the instrument. But, of course, he became one of the major voices of the trumpet. He also composed and arranged and wrote some beautiful pieces that are still played today. Kenny Dorham was one of those 
musicians who lived with a curse. No, I'm not talking about drugs or alcohol or anything like that. I'm talking about Kenny Dorham was always talked about as being underrated. That stuck with him throughout his lifetime. It was always, oh, yeah, Kenny Dorham. Oh, yeah, he's so underrated. And and he, he had to live with that. I'm sure I know for a fact that he hated that. Um, I only met Kenny Dorham once, and it was at a dinner. Uh, Kenny was visiting San Francisco. He had relatives in Oakland, California, and he had a little gig at um, a club, a legendary club in San Francisco called the Both And. And Kenny appeared there with a quartet, which included a young piano player by the name of George Duke. And uh, yes, George Duke played piano. Um, Local bassist Benny Wilson was there, and Oliver Johnson was the drummer. And uh, Kenny Dorham really delivered. And uh, um, we were down there several nights to to hear Kenny. And at the behest of um, John Handy, who um, we were staying with at the time, um, John invited Kenny Dorham over for a special dinner. And uh, so we all had a chance to sit around the dinner table and talk and philosophize. And, and uh, so I got to know Kenny Dorham a little bit. That was my only time that I ever met the man, but I always admired him. And um, he did <laughs> tell me, he said, I, I hate this thing about being underrated. <laughs> you know, he says, I don't mind being underrated. He said, all musicians are underrated, you know. Uh, you know, Americans, you know, worship the, all the big rock stars and so on. Jazz musicians usually get the back of the bus anyway, whether they're white, black, or green. But he said, you know, uh, I'm stuck. He said, every time somebody writes about me, he said, I'm underrated. <laughs> anyway, that was, his, that was his curse. And interestingly enough, you know, Kenny Dorham came up with um, – uh, Miles Davis and Fats Navarro, and of course Dizzy Gillespie had been on the scene a few years earlier, but Kenny Dorham uh, in the 1940s was kind of overshadowed by Miles Davis and and Fats Navarro, and then in the 50s, um, Kenny was still there and playing absolutely beautifully, and of course he was overshadowed by Clifford Brown, Chet Baker. Um, Donald Byrd and uh, young Lee Morgan. And then, of course, in the 60s, uh, during the final stage of Kenny's maturity, uh, where he was playing just absolutely incredibly, he was overshadowed by, um, well, Lee Morgan once again and and Freddie Hubbard and Woody Shaw. So (laughs) they got all the publicity, whereas Kenny Dorham was always sort of an afterthought. And he certainly didn't deserve it. Another aspect of of, uh, Kenny Dorham that a lot of people don't know, and it's too bad that he didn't live long enough to publish his autobiography, although snippets um, and passages were published in Downbeat magazine, but it was called, and under the title, Fragments of an Autobiography. And Kenny Dorham proved that he was an incredible writer. It was a natural talent that he had. But uh, um, uh, this was never completely fulfilled because he, he passed away. And it's too bad because it would have been a most interesting book. He was part of modern jazz history. Now the world has come around to actually recognize Kenny Dorham. I'm actually good friends with his eldest daughter, 
who takes care of Kenny's legacy. And Yvette Dorham uh, really uh, is, is on the lookout for people to recognize her dad and, and so on. And strangely enough, they celebrate the same birthday. They were both born on August 30th. So young trumpeters like Winton or youngish trumpet players like Winton Marcellus, who's no longer young anymore, but still uh, very, very famous, he has acknowledged Kenny Dorham. Uh, my good friend Jeremy Pelt, uh, Kenny Dorham is one of his idols. Ryan Kaiser, who plays in, in Marcellus's uh, Lincoln Center Jazz Orchestra, is a total uh, Kenny Dorham worshiper and is, has, has learned every solo. Um, so a lot of these younger musicians, oh, and, and Josh Evans, who, who a lot of people don't know about. Josh Evans is one of the hottest trumpet players in New York. And uh, again, he's a friend of mine, and Kenny Dorham is his idol. So a lot of these musicians now are telling, um, because most, of, most musicians now of any prominence teach, and so they're telling uh, their students about a musician like Kenny Dorham. So somehow his legacy is being passed on, and he's no longer called underrated, and that's good. I'm sure Kenny, wherever he is, is pretty happy about that. We're going to get to the music, and this is a wonderful recording that he did for, he did a couple of albums for this label. Um, the label, it was a short-lived jazz label called Time Records, and several, um, they had a, a very small catalog, but quality. And this album was Kenny Dorham's interpretations of Jerome Kern's music from Showboat. And it was recorded in New York City on December 9th, 1960, with a hand-picked band, with, of course, Mr. Dorham on trumpet, Jimmy Heath on tenor saxophone, Jimmy had uh, just come through a pretty dark period in his life, and he was playing ex extremely well. He was healthy, sober, and uh, in extremely good form during uh, those early years. And on piano, someone who just celebrated a birthday, the legendary, wonderful New York pianist Kenny Drew. So that's the f people on the front line. On bass, a young man who went on to great fame and influence with John Coltrane. The bassist here is Jimmy Garrison. And on drums, one of the most recorded of all modern jazz drummers, the great New York drummer, Arthur Taylor, Art Taylor. So the music from Showboat is very interesting. I'm not going to get into the, uh, a lot of people are familiar with this musical. It was way ahead of its time. Um, it was um, a social statement as well as a musical statement, and um, it was a wonderful um, uh, opera, and it uh, was written by, of course, Jerome Kern and Oscar Hammerstein. And as I said, it was way ahead of its time for what it portrayed. And uh, as a, um, we won't get into that because a lot of people are familiar uh, with the whole plot of Showboat and what it represents. The music is what we're interested in, and all these tunes, of course, are written by Hammerstein and, and Kern and interpreted by Kenny Dorham. So, without much further ado, here are the tunes. 
we open with one that uh, actually Charlie Parker liked, and he played, he recorded this tune. Uh, it's the first tune on the set. It's called Why Do I Love You? And the second tune is uh, one that Stan Getz played last week on the jazz feature. It was the title track from the album we played. The tune is called Nobody Else But Me. And then tune number three is a tune called Can't Help Loving That Man. And then um, following that is a great tune called Make Believe. And then the most familiar of all Showboat's tunes is the next tune. And, of course, everybody knows Old Man River. There you go. And the final tune is another tune entitled simply Bill, Just My Bill, and uh, a beautiful tune um, as well. So those uh, five tunes make up the album. And once again, we're going to hear the great Kenny Dorham on trumpet, Jimmy Heath on tenor saxophone, Kenny Drew on piano, Jimmy Garrison on bass, and Arthur Taylor on drums. And we're going to kick things off right now with Why Do I Love You? The music from Showboats. Thank you. 
And that's our jazz feature this evening. Six selections handpicked by the late and great Kenny Dorham, the leader of that band, who, uh, of course, was one of the major voices of modern jazz trumpet. And um, he loved the music of Jerome Kern. And uh, actually, in his repertoire, uh, he, he did play a lot of Kern's melodies. And um, when this project was um, offered to uh, Kenny, he uh, said, well, I'll, I'll pick um, six of my favorite tunes from Showboat, and we'll do a Showboat album. And uh, that was agreed upon, and Kenny picked the band, and this album was made. And it's a, truly um, one of the classics in Kenny Dorham's repertoire. It was recorded in New York City December 9th, 1960, and featured a hand-picked band uh, of people that uh, were compatible with uh, Kenny's ideals. And we heard his choice on tenor saxophone was a wonderful gentleman who appeared here this summer at uh, the Jazz Festival, of course, the legendary Jimmy Heath on tenor. And in 1960, uh, Heath had just come out of a fairly dark period in his personal life and uh, emerged uh, actually a much better musician um, and, of course, never went back to uh, that, uh, that darkness <laughs> and uh, continued to this day to play beautifully. And, of course, he sounded great on this album. Jimmy Heath on tenor saxophone on piano, someone who also celebrated a recent birthday because Kenny Dorham was born yesterday. Um, August 30th, 1924, in Fairfield, Texas, and uh, passed away December 5th, 1972, at age 48, died of kidney failure. Kenny Drew celebrated a birthday just recently, uh, an anniversary, and this great pianist, uh, he passed away, um, he went to live in Europe for many years and, and died uh, over in Denmark in the early 90s, and uh, one, of the, one of the finest disciples of Bud Powell. Um, Kenny Drew's Piano playing is always has has a beautiful dancing quality in there, and I think it probably has something to do with his West Indian heritage. Kenny Drew on piano, on bass, a young man who was uh, destined for greatness to be part of one of the most incredible bands in jazz. That was the John Coltrane Classic Quartet. Well, this is pre John Coltrane, and of course he was a very very fine bassist and beginning to get on a lot of record dates uh, in New York, and I'm talking about Jimmy Garrison on bass. And on drums, one of the most recorded of all jazz drummers. He was on so many recordings, I I imagine (laughs) he lost count. But um, he always uh, contributed um, with his very clean sound and and swinging concept. And uh, he was another uh, uh, gentleman of uh, West Indian ancestry, Arthur Taylor, on drums, the great Art Taylor. The uh, six tunes that uh, Mr. Dorham picked um, from Kern's Showboat was uh, we opened with Why Do I Love You. Uh, tune number two was Nobody Else But Me. Uh, tune number three was Can't, the ballad of the set was Can't Help Loving That Man. Uh, tune number four was Make Believe. And tune number five was, of course, Old Man River. And tune number six was another great tune called simply Bill. 
Art Blakey once called Kenny Dorham the uncrowned king. And today, even though he's been gone for many, many years, he's got his crown, and he deserves it immensely. Kenny Dorham. So that was our jazz feature this evening. We haven't finished with Kenny Dorham yet. You know, um, a lot of people didn't realize how, well, of course, uh, um, all the bands that Kenny was involved with as a sideman, too, uh, uh, some incredible associations. And uh, this is why it was, it's always been puzzling why he was stuck with this underrated uh, um, designation that he uh, he absolutely <laughs> despised. He took Miles Davis's place in Charlie Parker's band, and that's what we're going to hear right after we uh, listen to a couple of messages. We're going to go to a, a bunch of live recordings um, with Charlie Parker and Kenny Dorham, um, all done back in 1949. Kenny Dorham, of course, um, freelanced a lot uh, in the 50s and then joined the first edition of Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers, and they made some incredible recordings. And after that, Kenny formed his own band, and we're going to do a jazz feature on that short-lived uh, band that Kenny formed after he left Art Blakey called the Jazz Prophets, and uh, they made a couple of very significant albums. And uh, actually, we're going to we're going to do that uh, before the end of the year. Um, feature the Jazz Prophets because uh, a great little band. After the uh, Jazz, the demise of the Jazz Prophets, they didn't last that long. Gigs, you know how they are. Uh, Kenny joined. Max Roach's band. He actually replaced Clifford Brown, of course, who um, came to his early demise in a car accident. And Kenny was the the trumpet player that took Clifford Brown's place. Uh, a very unenviable position. But then Kenny Dorham began to reassert his or assert his mastery in Max Roach's band. And uh, that was one of the most distinctive additions of the Max Roach quintet. And after leaving Max Roach, then Kenny broke out onto his own and led his own bands right up to his uh, untimely death at uh, age 48. So, just a, a little brief recap of, uh, of Mr. Dorham's history. As I said, we'll be back in a very few minutes with, uh, after these uh, significant messages with um, some Charlie Parker, who celebrated his birthday on August 29th, and uh, we did a little bit of Charlie Parker last week. We're going to do some more this week because he was one of the most, if not the most important uh, musician in modern jazz, and his legacy still lives. So we're going to do that. We'd just like to remind you that uh, and hope you enjoyed the jazz feature this evening. My name's Gavin Walker. This is The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. And we shall return right after these significant messages. Music Waste and CITR present the 11th Annual Victory Square Block Party, Sunday, September 6th, from 2 to 9 p.m. Celebrate the end of summer and support non-profit media organizations with a splurge of local bands. 
Woolworm, Ramsey, Other Jesus, Cave Girl, Gal Grayson, Fake Tears, Whitney K, Twin River, as well as Christy Lee and DJs Owen Ellis and BBU. Come listen to performers or tune in to 101.9 FM or CITR.ca for an all-day live broadcast with plenty of on-air personalities and interviews with the bands. Help us make it the best Sunday of September, the Victory Square Block Party, September 6th from 2 to 9 p.m. Know what's up at UBC? Read the UBC. It's only the largest student newspaper in Western Canada, and it's written and edited entirely by UBC students. The UBC is your source for on-campus news, culture, and sports. New editions come out every Monday and Thursday. For breaking news as well as amazing videos and blogs, check out ubc.ca. Listening to CITR 101.9, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded Coast Salish territory of the Hunkamenim speaking Musqueam people. All right, we're back and we're going to take you back to the Royal Roost in New York City, downtown New York, in 1949. And, of course, the Royal Roost was one of the leading jazz clubs at the time. As a matter of fact, uh, this is recorded on New Year's Day, 1949. And we're going to hear the Charlie Parker Quintet with their new trumpeter who joined, <laughs> believe it or not, on Christmas Day, he took Miles uh, Davis had uh, left the band, and uh, Charlie Parker immediately hired Kenny Dorham to take Miles' place. And so we're going to hear Charlie Parker live with um, Kenny Dorham on trumpet, Al Haig on piano, and Max Roach was uh, indisposed um, was was the regular drummer with the band, but he was he was indisposed on this date. Uh, and uh, Joe Harris, a great drummer, took over for uh, Max Roach. And the bassist is um, Tommy Potter, of course, and was, was Bird's regular bassist. We're going to open with, um, and of course, these are radio broadcast recordings, and, and the, the uh, jovial and ebullient uh, MC, of course, was the legendary Symphony Sid Torrin. So we'll hear a few snippets of his um, deep, sonorous voice. And, um, and of course, the theme song that uh, always was used, of course, is Jumpin' with Symphony Sid, written by Lester Young. And, and then that segues into a um, Charlie Parker Dizzy Gillespie original, a real uh, barn burner called Bebop. And then we're going to hear a standard tune that Charlie Parker really liked. It was a big hit in those days, a tune called The Slow Boat to China. The lyrics are, are interesting, and uh, um, it's, I'm going to get you on a slow boat to China, etc., etc. Um, anyway, Charlie Parker loved the melody, and that became part of his repertoire at the time. Then uh, we'll continue with the Charlie Parker composition called Ornithology. 
and based on the uh, standard tune, How High the Moon. And then a Dizzy Gillespie original called Groovin' High. And then another great standard that Charlie Parker loved called East of the Sun, written by Brooks Bowman. And the final tune is a Charlie Parker original, a blues, entitled Cheryl. So here then, we take you back to the Royal Roost in New York City, January 1st, 1949. And we're going to kick things off with uh, the theme song and jumping with Symphony Sid and Bebop. Charlie Parker on alto saxophone, Kenny Dorham on trumpet, Al Haig on piano, Tommy Potter on bass, and Joe Harris on drums. Thank <laughs> you. 
And so with a slow boat to China, everybody here down at the Royal Roost are eating their, how's the chicken? Real crazy, you like the chicken. Back to the bird, the great Jolly Parker and the wonderful and rendition again, of yes, Ornithology. Back to the Royal Roost, Metropolitan Barbara House,
Dolly, I'd like to bring you up for just a minute. Dolly, hold it. I want to, you know, a lot of people are talking about those things that you made with Machido. Norman Grant brought the records up to the station, and that new thing that you did with Machido was really one of the most sensational things yet. Oh, Mongo Mongway. Mongo Mongway is one of the most sensational things recorded for Mercury on the Bob series. It more or less puts uh, uh, Bob in a more or less uh, commercial sort of a groove, don't you think? Well, if you want to take it that way, but I mean, Bob is just a title. I mean, it's all still music. I mean, still gone music. Sure. Where's what are we going to do next? Uh, we'll try um, East of the Sun. All right, here's the birds with a relaxing East of the Sun.
back here at the Royal Roots where everybody's relaxed, everybody's having a lot of fun, digging the great and wonderful Mr. Bop himself, the great Charlie Parker and the All-Stars, Al Haggard piano, Joe Harris on, on drums, and Tommy Potter on bass, and Kenny Durham on trumpet, bringing you another one of the great sides that you asked for, Cheryl. <laughs>
That was some live recording done actually very early on New Year's Day. Uh, Obviously, uh, they were still celebrating uh, New Year's Eve, but actually, officially, it was New Year's Day. It was January 1st, 1949, early in the morning at the Royal Roost. And, of course, that was the Charlie Parker Quintet with trumpeter Kenny Dorham. And uh, as I mentioned before, Charlie Parker celebrated a birthday on August 29th, or at least an anniversary, and Kenny Dorham celebrated a birthday on August 30th. So, uh, and the two of them, of course, were there together. And uh, Kenny Dorham had just recently replaced Miles Davis in Parker's working quintet. And uh, unfortunately, Max Roach, their regular drummer, was uh, indisposed, but they had someone who Max sent in a a sub, and um, that drummer was a fabulous player. Um, Lesser known, of course, but a very fine drummer, really knew what was happening, Joe Harris on drums. And the other folks involved, Al Haig on piano, and Tommy Potter on bass. And the voice you heard, of course, you heard a few words from Charlie Parker himself, too. But the uh, voice you heard was the ebullient Symphony Sid, Symphony Sid Torn. He was the host, and that, of course, those were radio broadcasts uh, from the Royal Roost in New York City. The tunes we heard, we opened with uh, Jumpin' with Symphony Sid, which was, of course, his theme song, and that was written for him by Lester Young. And we'll be featuring some Lester Young's music a little later on in the show because he celebrated a birthday, too. All right. So, uh, and that segued into a Charlie, uh, Dizzy Gillespie, Charlie Parker original called Bebop. And then we heard a standard tune, which was on the hit parade back in 1949, a tune called Slow Boat to China. And Charlie Parker liked the melody of that tune, played it beautifully, and became part of his repertoire. Then we moved into uh, Charlie Parker's original composition that he wrote with uh, Little Benny Harris, a tune called Ornithology. And then a Dizzy Gillespie original, a famous one, called Groovin' High. And then a standard tune once again, slowing things down, East of the Sun, East of the Sun and West of the Moon. And finally, um, a great blues composition by Charlie Parker, simply called Cheryl. So there you have it, January 1st, 1949, from broadcast recordings done from the legendary Royal Roost nightclub on New Year's morning. All right. Everybody having a good time. We'll be back with some uh, something a little bit different. We'll tell you about it when we come back. But we'd like to remind you that you are listening to CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker, and this, of course, is The Jazz Show. And uh, we'll be back after these important messages. Stay tuned.
The 13th annual Vancouver Latin American Film Festival lasts from September 3rd to September 13th. The festival is bringing more than 50 films from 14 different countries to Vancouver. This year, Mexico is the festival's guest country, and a special selection of Mexican films will be presented at the event. Don't miss being a part of the largest Latin American film festival in Canada. For more information, visit VLAFF.org. Double-crossing gangs, two-bit heels, cold-blooded killers. That's right, the feverish, fatalistic world of film noir returns to the Cinematheque for another angst-filled August. This year's season features 12 hard-boiled classics, including The Blue Dahlia, Laura, Pick Up on Cell Street, and DOA. Don't miss the opening night on Friday, August 7th, with live music, a special introduction, and screenings of favorites, This Gun for Hire, and Gilda. All ages welcome, 1131 Howe Street. For more info, visit thecinematheque.ca. say that the weather hasn't been uh, interesting <laughs> over the weekend on Saturday, of course. Uh, we all know what we experienced here. It was pretty extreme, and uh, the results are uh, are still of that are still happening, and the cleanup and the um, power outages and all this kind of stuff. So we're in for some different weather um, than what we've had uh, with some rain, of course, and we got some rain today. Um, as a matter of fact, they even put out a rainfall warning. I guess the showers were were pretty heavy during the day and, you know, flooding and backups and all this kind of stuff because we haven't had rain for a while. So um, they're going to end this evening, and then it's going to be cloudy and windy this evening with a low of 14. Then tomorrow, mainly cloudy with rain beginning again around noon uh, with a low of 14 and a high of 18. Then Wednesday, the outlook is simply showers. So that'll be off and on kind of rain with low of 11, high of 15, getting cooler. Uh, Thursday is merely cloudy, no precipitation in the forecast. Uh, I guess it's moving toward um, a little bit of uh, clearing and sun and all that kind of stuff. Thursday is a bit of a transition day with a low of 12 and a high of 17. Then Friday is a mix of sun and cloud with a low of 9 and a high of 19. And Saturday, once again, is a mix of sun and cloud with a low of 11 and a high of 20. And it looks good um, Friday and Saturday and hopefully throughout the weekend. All right. One of the greatest of all singers is Sarah Vaughan. There is no doubt. Sarah Vaughan possessed a voice, had... Sarah chosen a field in classical music, she would have excelled. But the problem, of course, was that old, even though there were a few uh, African-American um, operatic singers like Marian Anderson and so on, uh, Sarah Vaughan um, 
saw the writing on the wall and realized um, that uh, that sort of uh, career for her really wasn't going to happen, um, mostly because of her race, ethnic background. And But she loved jazz anyway, so it was only natural that she moved toward jazz. And she also learned how to play the piano very well. Sarah Vaughan really knew music. And uh, unlike a lot of singers who, who didn't uh, play any instrument, Sarah read music very well, and she knew music. She understood chords, how, how tunes were put together. She could dictate to the musicians uh, what she wanted in an exact way, not just saying, oh, play slow, play fast. She knew exactly where everything was, and um, she could be really um, authoritative. And, of course, uh, she demanded... Uh, perfection and the best from herself, and of course she demanded that from any musician that accompanied her. And Sarah Vaughan was an incredible performer. She possessed this voice, uh, which was absolutely phenomenal, the range and and the sonority. One of her finest albums, actually, was uh, done in 1954. I mean, she made a lot of great albums, but this stands as a lot of people's favorite album because... Not only is Sarah singing, but she's accompanied by some stellar musicians, including the wonderful, late, great Clifford Brown on trumpet. And along with Clifford, Herbie Mann on flute, Paul Quinichet on tenor saxophone, uh, Jimmy Jones on piano, who was her regular accompanist at the time, Joe Benjamin was her regular bassist, and Roy Haynes, Mr. Snap Crackle, was her regular drummer. The arranger on here is the redoubtable Ernie Wilkins, and he arranged all the tunes for Sarah. We're going to hear three. Uh, the first one, of course, tomorrow is September 1st, and um, this great song, it's a nostalgic piece of music, but a very beautiful and one of the greatest renditions of that song is September song written by Kurt Weill and Maxwell Anderson. And Sarah's version of that stands right at the top. Uh, the second tune is a more obscure standard written by Fields and Rogers called It's Crazy. And the third tune, of course, is one of Sarah's most famous uh, tunes. It was written by pianist George Shearing, Lullaby of Birdland, dedicated to that legendary jazz club. So we turn things over to Sarah Vaughan, Sassy. And she is going to deliver. The days grow short when you reach September. And 
turns the leaves to flame one hasn't got to for the waiting game Thank you. 
I jump up at dawn, shake out the sun, laugh like a loon, everything is fun, it's crazy, but I'm in love, I act like a fool, what do I care, I'll be a fool as long as you're there, it's crazy, but I'm in love, I spread my wings and then I fly all around the city, the world's my sweet potato pie, and I'm sitting mighty pretty, I sweep out the stars, chase that old moon, fall into bed, humming a tune, it's crazy, but I'm in love, 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 Shake out the sun, laugh like a loon, everything is fun, it's crazy, but I'm in love, I act like a 
like a fool, what do I care? I'll be a fool as long as you're there. It's crazy, but I'm in love. I spread my wings and then I fly all around the city. The world's my sweet potato pie, and I'm sitting mighty pretty. I sweep out the stars, chase that old moon, fall in the bed, humming a tune. It's crazy, but I'm in love, 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 love.
Incredible Sarah Vaughn from uh, an album that she did called simply Sarah Vaughn, and it's considered one of her finest. And she did a lot of them. This ranks right up there with the top of um, her favorite albums among people that love her voice and singing and approach. All recorded in December of 1954. And one of the highlights of this is not only Sarah's singing but the appearance of the wonderful and legendary Clifford Brown, who uh, was about 24 years old on this recording session, and Clifford uh, was one of the great new voices of the trumpet and uh, just one of the best-loved musicians ever. And, of course, he was taken from us in that terrible car crash and uh, in June of 1956. And we lost one of the major voices and most influential voices of the trumpet, Clifford Brown. Uh, Herbie Mann was on flute. Paul Quinichet, the kid from Denver, on tenor saxophone. And then Sarah's regular um, trio that she always worked uh, club dates with, Jimmy Jones at the piano, Joe Benjamin on bass, and Roy Haynes on drums. And uh, the arranger-conductor for um, this particular recording session was the redoubtable Ernie Wilkins. So we heard three tunes, beginning with her gorgeous rendition of the Kurt Vile, Maxwell Anderson tune, September song, dedicated to, well, tomorrow. And uh, then uh, a great old um, obscure standard called It's Crazy. And then the final tune was, of course, her inimitable version of George Shearing's Lullaby of Birdland. Sarah Vaughn. All right. Now, Lester Young, the president. Lester Young was considered one of the major voices of the tenor saxophone. He was really the second messiah of jazz. Um, Lester Young, all the other uh, tenor saxophonists were following Coleman Hawkins, because he truly is the father of the tenor saxophone. So he had, all, most of his followers were following, if you didn't play like Hawkins, you didn't play. Lester Young, although he uh, was a friend of Coleman Hawkins and, and a friend of so many of Hawkins' followers, chose a different path. He had some different ideas. And of course, because of that, he was at first rejected he was kicked out of one band and um, found his home in the Basie Orchestra. And uh, that, of course, is where he made his first recordings. 
and stayed with Basie for a long, long time, and of course then went out on his own, had a long and varied career. We're going to pick up Lester with a great date that he did uh, in 1952 uh, with Oscar Peterson on piano, Barney Kessel on guitar, Ray Brown on bass, and John Charles Hurd, J.C. Hurd on drums. And Lester, of course, is in fine form on this date, and uh, he is just enjoying playing with this superb rhythm section and obviously is having a ball. And um, Lester, of course, had um, signed with the great impresario Norman Grants and uh, recorded with Mr. Grants until uh, his demise in uh, 1959. Lester Young was always the most um, influential saxophonist. Lester Young, really, uh, we could name literally hundreds of tenor players that were influenced by Lester. Some of the more prominent ones, Gene Ammons, uh, Dexter Gordon, Stan Getz, Zoot Sims, Al Cohn, Brew Moore, just so many others. And and Lester's concepts live today. And uh, he he wasn't allowed kind of a in-your-face sort of a player. But there was a, a certain amount of mastery and authority in everything he did. Even when his health was failing and his playing was less than great, there was still that mastery in his, in his artistry. Anyway, without uh, any, anything further, we're going to open with uh, a blues by Lester that opens the session. It's called the Ad-Lib Blues. And then we're going to go to uh, a tune called Just You, Just Me, um, a great standard tune. And then a ballad by Lester, These Foolish Things Remind Me of You. And then we'll end with uh, Lester's version of Vincent Eumann's Tea for Two. So here then is the president in great form, Lester Young, with Oscar Peterson at the piano. Thank you. 
the great Lester Young, the president, Lester Willis Young. That's right. He was born in New Orleans on August 27th, 1909, and was uh, was only 49 when he passed away in 1959. Lester Young, one of the most influential of all tenor saxophonists, and he was in great form and uh, was a happy day uh, for him on this particular recording session, and uh, lots of energy and creativity, and he just loved playing with Oscar Peterson and Ray Brown. Um, Oscar, of course, on piano, Ray Brown on bass, J.C. Hurd on drums, and Barney Kessel on guitar, and, of course, Lester Young. We heard four compositions from this uh, date, which took place in November of 1952 in New York City. Uh, the first piece of music was a blues called simply the Ad-Lib Blues, and the second tune was a standard tune that's used by jazz musicians over the years, a thing called Just You, Just Me. And then we move to a ballad, a very beautiful performance of one of Lester's favorites, These Foolish Things Remind Me of You. And the final tune, of course, was Vincent Newman's Tea for Two, done uh, up-tempo, and obviously everyone having a ball on that one. So a little tribute to, birthday tribute or anniversary tribute to Lester Young, Lester Willis Young. All right, we hope you enjoyed that segment. And uh, we're actually going to give you another tenor saxophonist, but in a, a totally a totally different musician in a very different context. But uh, I'd just like to mention a couple of things, uh, as I usually do around this time. One of them is, of course, uh, VancouverJazz.com. And that's a, a great website run by my good friend Brian Nation, who is, uh, as I mentioned, recovering very rapidly from a fairly serious uh, uh, health setback. But he's, uh, he's back in the running again. We're very happy that Brian is going to be with us for a good many years. And he is the administrator of VancouverJazz.com, and that's one of the most comprehensive uh, websites all kinds of information on there, musicians' biographies and uh, all sorts of uh, links on that site. It's a good one, VancouverJazz.com. And, of course, the other website is the website of the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society. And they bring you so many, uh, oh, of course, the big jazz festival, but uh, they do all sorts of year-round productions as well. And they have a very comprehensive website, and uh, I would advise you to uh, check it out. It's it's a good one, and that's uh, coastaljazz.ca. Interestingly enough, on both of those websites, you you'll get an idea of of what's going on around town because there's no real central. Um, the only real central place now for for jazz music, and they have other kinds of music on other nights, but. Um, lots of jazz at Pat's Pub, which, of course, is located in the old Patricia Hotel in the downtown east side. Very, very comfortable pub and a very good atmosphere. It's very safe down there. A lot of people sort of say, downtown east side, I don't want to go there. Well, you know, you'd be very wrong. You're probably safer down there than you would be in Carisdale. So, uh, and, and there's all kinds of uh, free parking around, and they have a parking lot there, which is you know, so your car is safe as well. And uh, 
Pat's Pub is a very comfortable place. They have jazz there every Saturday uh, with uh, different groups from 3 to 7, and then they have very special events as well. So uh, you can also uh, Google um, the, uh, the, the website and uh, check them out there. All right, um, that's Pat's Pub. One more thing I'd like to mention is uh, Ken Speller. He's a repairman. Uh, he does. Um, he teaches music as well. He, uh, he has a business called Music at Home, where he comes to your home and, and teaches you how to play the clarinet or the saxophone or the flute or any of those instruments. He also uh, repairs musical instruments as well. And all of these instruments that I just mentioned are always in need of repair because there's a lot of moving parts on there and uh, you need someone that really knows what they're doing to uh, put your instrument in shape and Ken Speller is the man to do it. So he's kind of a jack of all trades and uh, he has his own workshop in his home and that's very interesting uh, because he is able to keep his prices uh, down to a very reasonable level because musicians, by and large, <laughs> don't have a whole lot of money. And uh, if you're an amateur, professional, or just getting started um, on, on an instrument, um, that's Ken Speller's a good man to know. And uh, he's at 778-800-1933, 778-800-1933. He's also located, he's located in uh, North Vancouver, at the uh, 13th and Lonsdale area. Pretty easy to get to, actually. Uh, you can also reach him via email, kspeller, K-S-P-E-L-L-E-R underscore 14 at yahoo.ca. kspeller underscore 14 at yahoo.ca. Just one small thing. Uh, we were talking about Lester Young a little earlier, and I said he was born in New Orleans. No, he was raised in New Orleans, but he was actually born in... Woodville, Mississippi. There you go. So um, I stand corrected on that, uh, although he's always uh, associated himself with uh, New Orleans. But his actual, he um, was in a family band, and of course the band, uh, you know, they moved around a lot and and uh, and that sort of thing. His dad was a musician, and all his brothers, and uh, he, he worked in the, the 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 family orchestra. That's how he got started. And uh, as a matter of fact, he. <laughs> he started out as a drummer and um, found out that uh, all the horn players got all the, um, all the single women uh, because uh, they just had to pack up their instruments and leave. But if you're a drummer, you've got a hell of a lot of uh, stuff to pack up. So um, Lester uh, kind of thought nah, he didn't want to do this anymore. So <laughs> he, uh, that's how he got started on the saxophone. <laughs> so... Um, a simple beginning uh, for a simple reason, but then Lester Young just went on and became one of the most authoritative voices on that instrument. Lester Young, born in Woodville, Mississippi. Yeah, that's 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 the place. Okay, um, Booker Irvin. Booker Irvin is another musician who. Uh, to an extent, was influenced by Lester Young. So many saxophone players were. But Booker Irvin had his own sound and, of course, recorded, um, had, had quite a, a, an extensive uh, recording legacy. Of course, he was Mingus's favorite tenor player. 
and um, but he recorded a lot under his own name as well. And and Booker didn't live that long. He uh, died of kidney failure. He was only thirty nine. Um, and sad to say, uh, we lost one of the great modern voices of the tenor saxophone. One of his lesser-known albums, and one that I had a tendency to kind of overlook and, and look down on, uh, I don't do that anymore because it's quite a nice album, is an album that came out on Pacific Jazz called Booker and Brass. And I guess if that, if one would say maybe this is the most sort of commercial-oriented album, um, it, it, it encases Booker in, in, um, with a small band, um, with arrangements and, and, and he plays and, and it's, uh, I had a tendency to, to kind of knock this album until I, um, re-listened to it recently and, and I thought, you know, this is quite a nice album. We're going to hear some tracks from there. This album was recorded in New York in September of 1957 and the arrangements are by another very fine tenor saxophonist, Teddy Edwards. And there's all kinds of people in the band. There's some personnel changes, but uh, I'll let you know if there's any other soloists and, and who they are. But uh, you've got you know Freddie Hubbard and Johnny Coles and Britt Woodman and Benny Green, my favorite trombone player. The rhythm section is, uh, is, is stable, uh, no changes in personnel. Piano, Kenny Barron. On bass, Reggie Johnson. And on drums, the wonderful Lenny McBrown. So we're going to hear a series of tunes from there. Um, We're going to open with a Booker Irvin composition called the East Dallas Special. Then we're going to move to a tune called Kansas City, which was written by, it's a very famous tune, written by Lieber and Stoller. Then uh, we're going to hear a version of um, Earl Hagen's classic, Harlem Nocturne. And we're going to end with a tune called by Teddy Edwards, the man who did all the arrangements here, called L.A. After Dark. So here's some selections from this album called Booker and Brass, beginning with the East Dallas special.
That's an album entitled Booker and Brass and came out on Pacific Jazz Records. It's considered one of the uh, lesser efforts by Booker Irvin, but uh, there's a lot to be uh, listened to on this album. It's not bad at all. The uh, arrangements are by the great Teddy Edwards, wonderful tenor saxophonist in his own right. And, of course, Booker is featured on all tracks, one of the most individual voices of the tenor saxophone. There's all kinds of great people in the band, and uh, the personnel sort of uh, shifts from track to track. But the uh, rhythm section is uh, the same throughout. Kenny Barron on piano, Reggie Johnson on bass, and Lenny McBrown on drums. And uh, the first piece of music, was entitled The East Dallas Special, and that that was actually written by Booker Irvin. And the second tune, of course, uh, and there was a solo on there as well by uh, trombonist Benny Green, the guy that plays our theme song. He's in the band, you see. And the second tune, of course, is the very famous, was the very famous Kansas City, written by Lieber and Stoller, big hit, and uh, one of those eternal tunes that everybody knows. And Tune number three was Harlem Nocturne. That's another tune that everybody knows, written by Earl Hagen. And the final tune was a thing called L.A. After Dark, and that was written by Teddy Edwards. And the trumpet solo on there was by the redoubtable Freddie Hubbard. So that's uh, three, four selections from this album, Booker and Brass. We're going to turn our attention now to... uh, telling you that you are listening to CITR-FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker, and this is The Jazz Show, a Monday night feature on CITR. We're going to turn now to the music of Youssef Latif and his, uh, well, he's a multi-instrumentalist, so we're, we're going to hear him on, not only on tenor saxophone, and he is another one of those great distinctive voices on that instrument. We're going to hear him on the oboe. We're also going to hear him on the flute. And we're going to hear three selections from an album called The Centaur and the Phoenix, which was um, uh, recorded in 1960, in October 1960, for the Riverside uh, label. Orrin Keep News produced that album. And... Um, Yusef is featured with a small band, which includes uh, two trumpeters, Clark Terry and Richard Williams. And uh, there's a trombonist, Curtis Fuller, one of the greats, on bassoon, Josiah Taylor, and on baritone saxophone from Detroit, Tate Houston. On bass, Ben Tucker. And on drums, Lex Humphreys. And on piano, none other than Joe Zavanul. We're going to hear three Latif compositions from this album. Uh, The first one is entitled... (laughs) What is the title? (laughs) I've forgotten. The first one (laughs) is called Revelation. That's got a great solo by Clark Terry on on it and and a, a fine solo by Curtis Fuller as well. The second tune is... Uh, a very somber and and slow meditate more not somber but more meditative, and it features Yusef's oboe, and it's a tune written for his daughter, and it's called Iqbal, 
And the final tune is uh, another Latif composition called Apathy. So we turn now to the music of Yusef Latif for the next uh, three selections. I hope you enjoy this music. It's great. Thank you. 
music of Youssef Latif, one of the great voices, a multi-instrumentalist, composer. And this is from uh, a great album that he did at the tail end of 1960 for Riverside Records called The Centaur and the Phoenix. And we heard three tunes, and of course we heard Mr. Latif, not only on tenor saxophone, his full tone, as he always got, and we heard him on oboe, and we heard him on flute. And uh, quite a band as well, including two trumpeters, Richard Williams and Clark Terry. And uh, on trombone, Curtis Fuller. On bassoon, we heard Hosiah Taylor. On baritone saxophone, we heard Tate Houston. And on piano, Joe Zavanul. On bass, Ben Tucker. And on drums from Philadelphia, Lex Humphreys. And the first tune we heard was entitled Revelation. That had a great solo on there by a trumpeter, Clark Terry, along with uh, Curtis Fuller and, and uh, Tate Houston on baritone saxophone. And, of course, Mr. Latif. And Joe Zavanol, too. The second tune was um, entitled Iqbal and dedicated to Youssef's daughter. And um, very uh, meditative uh, piece. And we heard him on oboe and tenor saxophone on that tune. And the final tune was entitled Apathy. We heard him on flute. We also heard him on tenor saxophone on that one. And we heard two trumpet players. We heard both of them solo, Clark Terry first, or Richard Williams first, and then Clark Terry and, um, and Curtis Fuller as well. Three tunes, Revelation, Iqbal, and Apathy, all compositions by Youssef Latif, and all on this uh, great album called The Centaur and the Phoenix. We're going to wrap things up this evening with pianist Hampton Hawes and company. This is recorded in uh, March of 1958 in Los Angeles, and it's a quartet featuring... Mr. Hawes on piano, Hampton Hawes, one of the great, uh, and I, I think, unsung uh, pianists in jazz. He, he really um, deserves a lot more uh, recognition than, uh, than he is, uh, he's got lately. A lot of people have forgotten about how great Hampton Hawes was. Anyway, Mr. Hawes on piano, Scott LaFarrell on bass, the legendary. On drums, Frank Butler. And on tenor saxophone, one of my all-time favorites and, and was a good friend of mine for years, the great Harold Land. And we're going to hear a tune uh, written by Hampton Hawes from this uh, contemporary album called For Real. And this one is going to close our show this evening. It's called Hip. Oh, not that tune. <laughs> Here we go. I... Um, programmed the wrong tune. Gave you a big build-up and then programmed the wrong tune. Oh, uh, well. Okay, here we, here we go with the, uh, with the tune I mentioned. Hip. Thank you. 
right, that was pianist Hampton Hawes leading a very special quartet, which included, of course, uh, Scott LaFarrell on bass, Frank Butler on drums, and the great Harold Land on tenor saxophone. And uh, that was a tune written by Hampton Hawes and Harold Land called Hip from a wonderful album that came out on Contemporary Records and called For Real. And uh, it's for real that we're going to uh, conclude the jazz show this evening. We hope you enjoyed um, the music this evening that we uh, presented. And next week on our jazz feature, we're going to be celebrating the birthday of Sonny Rollins. Sonny Rollins was born September 7th. And our next show is going to be September 7th. So definitely Mr. Rollins is going to be the jazz feature, and we'll have some more Sonny Rollins stuff for for you as well. And the jazz feature is one of his most uh, famous Blue Note albums. It's an album called Nuke's Time. Nuke, of course, was Sonny Rollins' nickname. And that is an absolutely amazing album that was done uh, on a couple of hours one afternoon, and uh, the whole band was just so great. So that's uh, that's going to be the jazz feature that will kick off next week's show. And uh, that's Sonny Rollins' album, Nuke's Time, celebrating Sonny's birthday, the 85. My goodness, and still alive and well. All right. We'd like to thank you very much for being out there. On behalf of myself, Gavin Walker, and CITR-FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. You take care, and we'll see you on Labor Day, which is September 7th. Bye-bye.